How wonderful, how marvelous is his love for us. How are you doing? Uh, we're about almost a month in the spring. Are you feeling it? SPF what? SPF what are you wearing? SPF minus seven. And we're about a month from summer. A little over a month. So it's just going to be like a wicked turn, isn't it? Like once, you know, it's just someday there's going to be that forecast that's just going to, we're going to say, yes, finally, finally, it's going to be 45 degrees outside. Finally, <laughs> finally, I've been waiting for this. Last Christmas, just a few months ago, I got 11 days off from work. 11 days. That was amazing. And the cool thing was it only cost me like four PTO days. It was, I don't know how it worked out, but it was, it was pretty cool like that. It, so it was, it was awesome. It was great for me because I was at that time going like 100 miles an hour uh, with being a technology consultant during the week, doing leading worship here at church, Christmas services, 100 miles an hour, and then went down to zero Wait, I have kids. It went to 25, 25 miles an hour, a light cruise. No, wait, they got sick. About 35 miles an hour. About 100, we went from 100 to about 35 miles an hour. And it was, it was awesome. And Joy and I had a great time. You know, we we looked, overlooked the sickness part and just really, really loved that time. But like all good things, it came to an, an end. And I had to go back to work. And I got to tell you, I don't know what it was, but if it was just all the time off or just because there was so much leading up to the time off or whatever, but I just had the hardest time getting back into work. Like, I just, there was so much resistance to, like, get up and do that schedule again and get myself back into that 100 miles an hour and get, you know, just produce everything I need to produce. And I was really, really having a hard time with that. And you know, like every day, it just was like, I, I was telling Joy, I just felt enormous anxiety and fear and worry, and it just, oh, just bugged me. I was worried and fearful that, you know, I was going to fail. You know, what if I can't get myself back up to this level of productivity? What if I can't do what I need to do for our clients? What if I mess up this project that I'm on? What if I fail? I would think on my ride to work, I'd be like, here's all the ways I could fail. They may not like this presentation I did. They may not like this analysis I did. They may not like my advice. Maybe I'm steering them in the wrong direction and I just fail. It would bother me. And then I also just felt like, what if I get exposed? What if, what if they see me for who I really am? I mean, I work in financial services. I've never been a financial advisor. I've only been there for a few years. And I'm consulting I'm a consultant. Isn't a consultant supposed to be like, you know, I did this for 30 years, and now I'm going to teach you how it's done right? So, like, expose that I'm not going to be what they need me to be, and then what happens then? Oh, just, and then, what if I let people down? I mean, really, what if I, what if I just disappoint people? Because I love making people happy. I love pleasing people. I love it when someone comes and asks, someone asks me, can you do this for me? And I say, yes, I'll take that on. Oh, yeah, I'll take that on. I'll take that on. Because it just, thank you for saying yes. You're welcome. I do say yes. 
That's the kind of person I am. And so, what if I let people down? That, like, he was terrifying me. Like, if I let people down at work, let people down at church, let people down in my home, with Joy and the girls, drive me nuts. So, I would lie in bed at night, and I'd wonder this question, basic question. Am I going to be okay? Am I going to be okay? How's this going to go? Where, next, the next week, the week after, the month after, am I going to be okay? I was, guys, I was literally terrified. This is what was going on right after Christmas. just was wearing me out. And what I realized was a bunch of things. But one I want to point out today, and it was this. I was battling what Brennan Manning calls... The imposter. I was battling this guy. Or sometimes I like to be like this guy. I don't know. I couldn't decide. I just decided. This is the guy that I think all of you see. This is my image. This is my person. This is the, the public person, the, the personal person, the relationships I have. This is the one that, that, that I, I got to keep this up. I got to keep this intact. And this demands a lot. Because I got to be, you know, I, I look at this and go, well, I got to be funny. I got to be creative. I got to be the worship guy. I got to be the technology guy. I got to be the good dad, the good, the good husband. I got to be the Christian guy. I got to, you know, there's all these things that's like, when I think about what people think about me, it's like some of those things come to mind. Got to keep that up. And when I'm at work, the hard worker exceeds expectations, gets the next deal. That's the guy I got to be. And so, a lot of times I feel like I'm kind of doing whatever I can to prop this guy up. Like, because if anyone ever sees me behind this person and exposes who I really am and my weaknesses and how I fall short and how I'm not really always the kind of guy you think I am, well then what's going to happen? It just terrified me to think about that. Like, I, in order to be worthy, in order to have worth, I need to keep this up i got to keep this up. And, if, you know, for a while, this sort of thing, it actually, it actually drew out of me um, courage. Like, I, okay, i gotta, I got to be more, i got to work harder, i got to do better. And for a while, it would, it would build it up in me. And after a while, the imposter turns on you and goes, hey, man, you're not doing it enough. You're not performing well enough. You're not getting it done. You're not holding up this image. You're not, you're failing. And if you fail, you're going to show and prove how much you're actually worth, which is nothing. And it's, it's all just going to fall apart. In fact, here's the, here's the trajectory of your life if you don't turn things around. You're going to up, up, and then we're about to crash. That is what I was dealing with. This guy. Until a few days later, I was just reading through the word, and John 15, 9 popped up. It says this, As the Father has loved me, 
so have I loved you. Jesus is saying here this amazing statement that if you think about the Trinity, the Father and the Son, and the amount of love that exists between the Father and the Son, love like steel, like hardened steel, can you think of a love that's more passionate than the love between the Father and the Son? Can you think of a love that's more powerful, more pure, more holy, more permanent than the love between the Father and the Son? Can you think of a love that's greater, grander, bigger, more powerful? This is the same love. The same love that, 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 that the Father has for the Son. The Son has for us. Jesus makes this incredible statement that that love, the same love between the Father and the Son is the love the Son has for us. And I looked at this and I thought, I knew Jesus loved me. It's almost a cliche in the church. Love, Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me. But I was suddenly hit by the potency of that love. How strong that love, love is. Because everything I know about the Trinity and the love between the Father and Son, that is an untouchable, unrelenting love. And then for Jesus to say, that's the love I have for you, it was just shocking to me. And it broke, it broke in me my, this anxiety. Because suddenly I was like, if Jesus loves me that much, and I believe that he's got all the power in the world, what do I have to worry about? Why do I have to worry about keeping this person up? Why do I have to worry about my image or worry about being a failure or worry about being exposed or worry about uh, letting people down? Why is that such an important thing? Why am I holding that up? Because the one who created all things loves me with a love that there is no match. I already got that. And (laughs) I drove to work and, you know, I've been in church my whole life, but this, just the idea that Jesus loves me just like poured on me in a way that I had never done before. And I, I had confidence. I had peace. There was a freedom that brought when I realized not only that Jesus loves me, but that this love is incredible that he has for us. And so what I want for you this morning, and what I'm trying to do this morning, is just to ask you a question. Can you take that in? Can you take a moment and just realize, think about the love the Father has for the Son and imagine that the Son has that same love for you. The same quality, the same power, the same intensity, the same faithfulness, that type of love. Now for many of us, it stays in our head and we can't get it down to our heart, but I want to get us there. And, And what's come to my mind is the other day I was in Walmart and have you guys seen this? When you walk into Walmart, there's a little sticker on the front door, and it says Code Adam. Have you seen that sticker? Some places have it now. It's, it's like a blue sticker. You'll see it with a star. It says Code Adam. And I didn't know what that meant. I kept seeing it around. So I, I Googled it while I'm at Walmart on my phone, and, and it said uh, that Walmart and other businesses have taken up some best practices to uh, dealing with kids that get lost in the store. So if, if, a, if a kid is reported missing, they uh, immediately send people to the doors of, of the Walmart or the store. They call out the description of the person over 
the intercom system and the name, of the, uh, the name of the kid, and they wait 10 minutes. And if the kid's not found, they call the police. That's kind of part of the, the procedure. So this is called Code Adam. When I read that, I had a moment, you may know where I'm going, uh, where I thought about this. What if I'm in the store, and maybe some of you parents, veteran parents have been through this, where you're in the store, and you look around, and your kid's gone. And what do you do first? You're kind of like, Grace, Grace, and hopefully right there she like pops up, she was like inside a drawer or something like that, or I don't know, <clears throat> that's what my daughter would do, but so then, but, I, but what if she didn't pop out right away? Then you're like, look down the other aisle, look down the next aisle, Grace, Grace, and then about 30 seconds or so, what, your heart starts kind of pounding, right? Grace, about a minute. After a while, as a parent, because of your love for your kid, at a certain point, you'll do anything to find your kid, won't you? You will do anything to find your kid. You will humiliate yourself. You will be loud. You'll be obnoxious. You'll run through Walmart looking at every single aisle. You will do whatever it takes to find your kid. Am I right? You will. That's the kind of love a parent has for your kid. There's something that rises up in you that says there is nothing that's going to stop me from finding my kid. Eventually, at one point, you're just going to go nuts trying to find your kid. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And I don't think it's any accident that God refers to himself as father and Jesus' son to describe the type of love, the, the dynamic of love that God has for us. He's our father. He's a good father. And the kind of love he, for, he has for us is, inte- is as intense as a parent's love. And I feel that love. Now that I have little girls, I, I, I feel that love. And I know Joy feels that love. And it's, it, it scares us almost of how powerful it is. And to think that God would have that same love for us, doesn't that, can you take that in? This isn't just some, hey, uh, If God were to see you, he'd be like, "Uh, uh, Peter, right? Yeah, I made you. No, this is is an embrace. This is like full-on passionate, I love you, and I'll do anything for you. There's nothing I wouldn't spare. We'll get to that in a little bit. But that, that's the kind of love that God has for us. There's a fatherly side. And actually, the Bible, in, in amazing ways, actually talks about a kind of a motherly side to God's love. In Isaiah, there's this amazing verse that says, Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? And even these forget, yet I will not forget you. God here contrasts his love with the love and the compassion that a nursing mother has for her baby. And then Jesus, in, in Matthew, he actually uses another uh, illustration. He says, O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. There are many verses I could go on and on about the parental love that God feels for us. He calls us his children, his kids, his children. And he loves us with that same amount of passion. If you're a parent, think about that love because that's the love that God has for you and for me. This is the same love that when a father in the prodigal son story saw his son a ways off, what did he do? He ran. 
And in that culture, Jewish men didn't run. But this guy ran. This father ran to his son and embraced him. This son that, that wanted his dad dead, want, took all of his dad's money, his inheritance, went off, squandered it. He saw his son and he ran. This is the kind of love that God has for us. This is the God who created everything, the world, the universe. If there's more than one universe, there, he created that too. He created all of it, yet he stooped down on his hands and knees and washed the feet of his disciples. This is the kind of loving God that we have. This is the kind of God who stood up next to a woman who had sex outside of marriage, and he defended her in front of a bunch of men that were about ready to kill her. And he said, cast the first stone. And he looked at her and said, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. This is the kind of love, the kind of love of Jesus who had a, a, a prostitute come in and wash his feet in front of a bunch of religious leaders. And he didn't deny her. And he let her do this. Even though it, man, the, the reputation, the type of thing, the, the impact of that move would have been really bad for him. But he did it. Because he loves, he loves, he loves this amazing type of love. Not only does he love, but it's this incredible love, the same love that the Father has for the Son. Can you let that in this morning? Can you let that go from here to here, from your head to your heart? Can you allow yourself to be moved by that love? And at that time, when I read John 15, 9, like I said, my anxiety broke. I just felt released. I felt free. Because what could happen? And so I'd go to work, and I felt more confident. And I just would, I just, I didn't have to worry about this guy. I could just be the guy that God made me to be. And that was okay. That was good. And I could come to church, and I could lead worship, and, and I could be who God made me to be. I didn't have to worry about this image. It's okay. Because God is for me. Could I be any more secure? I could face anything because I'm not alone. Well, as, Christian, as Christians, we, may f- we often find that we have these highs in life and we start to kind of fall from there sometimes. And that's what happened. I, I kind of started to fade away. I started to, to lose sight of this and I started to you know, kind of hold this guy up again and you know, worry about my performance and my, the fear came back and the worry came back. And I want to tell you what happened. This is, I mean, I just feel like God's just been trying to reach out to me and pull me up and I want to tell you what's been happening on February 13th, I was at a really low place, and I woke up in the morning, again, weighed down by fear, weighed down by anxiety, and I'm walking to my car, and I'm worried about things that's going to happen at work, and my phone buzzed, and there was a message, and I'm going to pull it up and read directly from it. I'm walking to work, so February 13th, 7.50 in the morning, 7.49, I got a message from a friend that I had not talked to in years who lives miles and miles and miles away from here. We've not talked. We know nothing about each other's lives. I got a buzz on my phone. It said this, Good morning, Peter. I felt impressed to pray for you lately. Should you be in a valley right now, I'm lifting you up in prayer. And I stopped. Like, God was like, Peter, remember, I love you. You don't have to be so afraid. You don't have to worry so much. We got this. So I wrote back, thank you. I mean, I was just shocked. And I, it took me a while to write this. But I'm like, yes, I am battling lots of fear and anxiety about work right now. I've been asking God to show me I'm not alone. 
The timing of this message is amazing, is what I wrote. And he wrote back this. You know, I was so impressed. It's as if I could see you right in front of me saying, pray for me. That can only be God. Not that my prayers are any better than others. So for this week, I will hold you up regularly. And remember, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And I drove to work just like tears in my eyes. And I'm just like, yes, God, I need to go back to this. I need to find my foundation in his love and know that his love is passionate and it never fails. And I don't have to be Mr. Performance. It's not all on my shoulders. I can trust in the love of Christ. And so Jesus says in John 15, the same love the Father has for the Son, so have I loved you. And then he says this, abide in my love. So Jesus tells us about the quality of his love for us. The same love the Father has for the Son, the Son has for us. And then he says this, abide in my love. He's calling us to abide in this amazingly powerful love. Abide. Make it your home. Accept it. Take it in. Stay in it. Stand in it. Dwell in it. Remain in it. Abide in my love. You don't have to fear. You don't have to worry is what he's saying to us. And Paul picks up on this in Romans 8. And I, I love this. In Romans 8, Paul says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who could be against us? If the creator of the world is for us, if he's got our back, if he loves us like he loves us, what could get in the way of that? Name it. What could step in front of that? Nothing. Nothing. There's no formidable enemy that could, that could match God. God, he's got our back, and that's enough. If God is for us, who could be against us? He who did not spare his own son. He didn't spare his own son for us. He gave his son, died on the cross, and rose again. He gave his son for us. If he will not spare his son for us, then look at what Paul's getting at here. He says, but gave him up for us all. How, he, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If God would not spare his son for us, what more would God do for us? Right? If God would give his son, what more could God do? He's gave, he gave his most precious possession, his most precious relationship. He gave that for us. If God's willing to do that, well, what more is God willing to do? That's the kind of love that God has for us. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. God is the judge. Who can bring a charge against us? God alone. He is judge. He's the only one that could bring a judgment against us. There's nobody who has a higher authority than God. It is he who justifies. It is he who's the judge. God has the last word. And who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. And more than that, he was, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. I believe that day on February 13th that Jesus was interceding on my behalf and spoke through my friend and sent me that message. I believe that Jesus today, in, you know, list, think of the worries, think of the concerns that you have in your life. 
Jesus is interceding for you because he loves you with a deep, profound love. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Is there any trial, or situation, or event in your life that could separate you from the love of God? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The next passage. For I am sure, and I love this, for I am sure that neither death, stop there for a second, For us, death seems like the absolute worst thing that could happen. Death in our culture, in our world, is failure. Complete, utter failure. But in God's economy, in God's kingdom, death can't touch us. Yes, we may die, of course. But that isn't the end for us. That is not the end. And so we often... We orient all, everything that happens in our life around whether or not something happened, whether or not there's death, whether or not there's total failure. But God says that, that, doesn't, that doesn't have us. That doesn't hold us anymore. We are sure that neither death nor life, nothing that happens in life could separate us from God's love. Nor angels, nor rulers. There's no powers, no other authorities in the world that could separate us from God's love. Nor things present, nothing right now in your life could separate you from God's love. Or things to come, there's, there's nothing that could, that's coming in the future that could separate you from God's love. Nor height, nor death, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the nature of God's love. Unfailing. I want to say permanent. It's God's love for us. This amazing, tremendous love. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you stand on this? Are you living by your own performance? Or are you putting your worth and your value in God's love for you? You know, oftentimes when I, when I would pray, I'd, I would find myself apologizing to God, saying, God, I'm, I'm sorry I'm not like this. I'm sorry I'm, I'm falling short of all these things that you want me to be. All these things that I should be. I'm sorry, Lord, I'm not this, and I'm not doing that right, and I'm slow on this, and I constantly mess this up. I should, be, I should be like this guy. This is the guy I should be. And God says, the good news is this, God says, I don't know this person. I don't know this person. I know you. I know you. I don't know this. This person doesn't exist. I know you. And I love you with an incredible, relentless love. Brendan Manning, I don't know if you've read many of his books at all, but he, he, he often talks about God's love. He wrote a book called Abba's Child and Ragamuffin Gospel. And a, he's a pretty popular art, uh, author and, and speaker. I, I was actually using some of his books this week to prepare and and then I found out on Friday he died. I don't know if you saw that all over the internet, but um, he died. And, but one of the things that, that Brennan uh, would love to say is that God loves you as you are and not as you should be. And he would continue and say, because nobody is they should be. Nobody is as they should be. Nobody. No one in this church are as they should be. God loves you as you are and not 
as you should be. Now, as Baptists, our theological mind is going, well, Peter, hold on. Tell the whole story. Yes, God loves us as we are. But God loves us enough to not keep us there. Yes, of course. Of course. But can we, can we keep the sanctification here off for a second and just talk about that God loves us as we are now, today, period. That's the kind of love that God has for us because none of us are as we should be. Yes, God has plans for us and wants to chisel us and mold us and, and build our character, but God loves us as we are. And there's nothing you can do, nothing you can do to separate yourselves from God's love. There's nothing you can do that will make God love you less or will make God love you more. I want to invite you into this love. Can you let this love in? Can you find yourself in this place? You know, I think a lot of times we, we have trouble spending time alone with God because we feel like we're not doing anything. But, but that's what God longs for. It's just time with him and us, not producing. It's okay to not produce. Do you see why, you know, the, the Sabbath was made for man, for, not, not man for the Sabbath. It was like a day off, six and one, six and one, one day to not produce so that we could be reminded that our value is found in his love for us and not our performance or not what we produce. And so God is calling us just to go spend time with him and that's it. In silence. Not produce. Not pray the right prayers. Just be with him. And he loves that. He loves that. So I want to invite you into that love. Now, this week, as I've been preparing for this and talking about, thinking about God's love, there was on my mind this thought that, there, that there's someone here today who has not embraced God's love ever before. There's someone here today that God's been working on your heart. He's been, he's been speaking to you, pushing you, and you've never surrendered your life to Christ. And so I want to ask, I want to just give the opportunity and invite if that's you, if you've not ever, if you've never given your life to Christ and you sense that God's calling you to do this and he's pushing on you to do this and you want to do this, if you sense that God is saying this is the time, then I want to invite you to give your life to Christ this morning. And I'm not going to have you uh, close your eyes, raise your hand. I'm going to have you stand. If that's you, if you have never given your life to Christ and this is the moment and you want to accept this amazing love that God has for you, I believe there's someone here today God has been leading you to this moment. And I just want to ask and invite you, just give an opportunity for you to stand right now. Just stand up. I believe he's been laid on my heart to just give this invitation. If that's you, don't let pride hold you back. I'm not going to wait much longer. Just stand. I, I do believe that there is someone here that, that's, that God's calling you. And maybe, maybe it's not today. I, be, I believe that today you could take that, that invitation. I'm going to go a different direction. Maybe you've been like me, where you've been feeling lots of pressure to put up this image, to uphold that image, that you've had a lot of fear and worry and doubt about your future. And you need to embrace God's love for the Maybe not the first time, but maybe, maybe you need to return to the love of God. Maybe you need to 
take your foundation off of your own performance and put it back on the love of Jesus. If that's you, I want to ask that you'd stand. If, that, if, if you need to make that move and, and just confess that that's me, yes, amen, amen. If you've been putting your confidence in your own performance, in your own image, and you need to move from that to simply trusting the love of God, just please stand. What I want to do is, for those of you who are standing, we're going to, we're going to read Romans 8 together, that one passage. Let's just read this out loud together. I'll read it with you. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Before you sit, let me just pray for you. Father in heaven, thank you for these individuals, Lord. Lord, help them to see the tremendous love you have for them. A love that's not predicated or dependent upon their performance. That you love them as they are and not as they should be. And you love them with the love, the same type of love that the Father has for the Son. An incredibly powerful love. Holy Spirit, speak to them now and help them to be free of worry and fear and anxiety and help them to find confidence and help them to put their roots down into your love and to find stability there. Help them to turn away from the the imposter, the the, the, the one that's constantly tearing at them and telling them things about their worth. And Lord, let, let, I pray that you'd speak to them about your love. Lord, I pray that there would just be a weight taken off their shoulders now and that you would uh, move in them in a mighty way, Lord, and they just a sense of freedom. May your love just fall on them this morning. Amen. You guys can be seated. So you know what happens when you abide? uh, Jesus finishes this uh, section in John 15 with this. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus is saying this, I know the love the Father has for me, and I have that love for you, but I know that love the Father has for me, and it brings me joy. It brings me tremendous joy, and I want you to know that joy. Tim Keller says joy is kind of this uh, spiritual buoyancy, spiritual buoyancy that no matter what happens in life, I am grounded in God's love. That I may be down, life may be taking me down, but I am by no means out. I may be sorrowful, but I am always rejoicing. There is this deep joy that no matter what happens in my life, I'm okay. There's a deep joy that says this, you are loved and you're going to be okay. And no matter what happens to you, you're going to be okay. If there's a failure in your life, you're going to be okay. If you're exposed, if the hidden self is brought out, you're going to be okay. Some of you have maybe some hidden sins or things that you've kept that nobody knows about. 
and you're afraid to bring it into the light, let me encourage you. You are loved. And if you bring this hidden thing in your life into the light, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. You may have other voices in you saying, no, that's not true. No, this, this, and this. Peter, you're wrong. No, listen. The God of the universe loves you with this amazing, compelling, profound love. You're going to be okay. Bring it into the light, Chapel Hill. Bring your whole being into the light. You're going to be okay. Whatever life throws at you, whether it's disease, job loss, Someone hurts you, you're going to be okay because you are loved by the only one that matters. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purposes. Amen? Let's read this last thing together and then I'll close. Let's read this together. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me pray. Father in heaven, I just ask that you would come and make this love real to us right now in our each individual ways. Uh, the fact that you love us, that the, the phrase that you love us has become so cliche and almost so familiar that we're no longer f- familiar with it, Lord. I pray you'd bring it back to life and help us to see in our own individual ways, Lord, how much you do love each one of us. Lord, I pray you would speak to each one here today, especially those who need to hear it, especially those who are really afraid, who are worried, who just need to find your love today. And Lord, I pray for the one who, Lord, I just believe there's one here that you are calling. You are calling into your kingdom. I pray, Lord, that you would just lead them into a loving relationship with you. God, I believe they're here today, and I believe that you're calling them, and I believe that you want to save them from sin, you want to redeem them, restore them, and you want to show them what this amazing love is like. Lord Jesus, have your way in us today. Thank you for this morning. Thanks for this church. And we just pray your love would go with us every single day, and that we would be mindful of it, and we wouldn't forget how much you love us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.